I've been to a few conferences over the years, and um, and as probably most of you have. Anyway, these uh, like international speakers come, and for the first ten or fifteen minutes, they promote their book. Anyway, I haven't got a book, but I've started one. I started one about ten years ago, and it's still not finished. I I thought I'd gather all my sermons and compile them into kind of a readable form. Well, anyway, it's a work in progress. But anyway, so, yeah, these guys come and I, and I sort of think, well, I came here to listen to what they've got to say, not really to hear their promotions. But then I thought, hmm, I don't have a book. But I do have a book to promote today. That's good. Yes, yes. This is, this is my book, but I didn't write it. I just get the inspiration. And um, so I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to promote this book today because I'm going to give you some facts about this book and why you should buy it. And you've probably already got heaps of them. But this book is called... It has, it's called the Holy Bible, right? Now, I don't know if you know what Bible stands for, but it's an, actually, it's an acronym for... Um, for um, hang on, I'm having a middle blank now. Basic instructions. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. That's it, yeah. Basic instructions, thank you. Before leaving Earth. Now, there are over 100... Million copies sold every year. Yeah. Yes. Now, I, um, as well as pastoring, I clean the uh, floor down at the local IGA supermarket in the middle of the night. And um, I was listening the other day to overnight radio and they have, you know, like talk back. And uh, I, I probably... I should have rang up because they're talking about the death of religion and how religion and Christianity are just getting less and less and less in the world. But I actually would disagree with that. Yeah. I think Christianity is on the rise and I think the world, the people that run the world are running a bit scared. Yeah. China is the fastest growing um, Christian, not Christian country, can't say that, can I? But Christianity is the fastest growing in China yeah, uh, at the moment. And um, it's, it's good. This, this book, the full Bible, that is the Old and the New Testament, has been translated into 532 languages and it has been partially translated, as in, you know, like a gospel or whatever, into 2,000 883 languages. Now, there's a lady in our church and she's married to a guy from Chile and he won't let her come to church because he doesn't like God and so he keeps her quite repressed. He's a dictatorial sort of a guy. Anyway, we were out there one day doing some visitation with him and... uh, Anyway, 
He was sort of spruiking a bit how he's got this Spanish Bible because he's Chile, comes from Chile, you see. I go, oh, right, a Spanish Bible. I said, I've never seen one. He said, I'll go and get it. So he bought it out. I said, look, do you reckon you could open it up for me to the book of John chapter 3? And could you read out in Spanish for me verse 16? So he did. He read it out in Spanish. And I can't remember how that goes. And then I said, can you translate that to English for me? Well, he did. (laughs) Anyway, that was just my little seed planting for the day. (laughs) That was funny. Um, Now, here's a stat that I found on the internet. The Bible is the most commonly stolen book in the world. Thanks to the Gideons. The Gideons stick this book everywhere and people steal it from motels and I think even they, when they get released from jail, some of them take the Bible with them. <laughs> um, the Bible is the best-selling book in history with total sales exceeding 5 billion copies. And it's pretty interesting because Hitler really wanted to wipe out the word of God. And he tried and they had big bonfires and burnt books and killed the Jews and tried to do everything. But it could never happen. There's always a remnant. And even today it will be absolutely impossible to get rid of the Bible because it's in so many, like, book form, digital form, cassettes if you still got them. Um, we remember what <laughs> even CDs are on the way out now aren't they everything's on a stick um, let's see what else we got there are many themes and applications that we can apply from the Bible but a careful study shows that if we divide the Bible into two parts but not the old and the new but the first part from Genesis 1 to Genesis 3 And then the second part from Genesis 4 to Revelation 22. The Bible is a story that begins with the ultimate God-man relationship. Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3 shows us how the relationship was damaged. And the rest of the Bible is the story of how God set about to bring mankind back into the kind of relationship that he desires. I think it's good to have a, an, an understanding of the complete work of the scriptures, you know. Um, after the Tower of Babel and after the flood, God called Abraham to set about creating a nation of people who were called out or chosen by God. And through many thousands of years, of failed covenants, broken laws, God gave his own son to be the ultimate sacrifice for the whole world. And if we choose his way of life, we will be spared the death, or death, we'll be spared death, and also come back into the kind of relationship that God first purposed for mankind. 
I've been thinking about this word revival. You hear it a bit, such and such churches having a revival or they had a revival or there was a revival in Wales or there's a Sousa Street or, you know, revivals everywhere. I was sort of thinking, what does this, what does it mean to revive somebody? And, you know, I was watching Bondi Rescue one day and they revive heaps of people, don't they? They just pull them out of the surf. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that, that it gave me a picture of God. I, I was seeing someone being resuscitated and all of a sudden I had this idea of when Adam was created and maybe he was just laid out there on the ground and the Bible says that God breathed into him. And I just got this picture of God kneeling down beside Adam, giving him mouth to mouth, you know, like it's a special care. It's a special care. But um, revive, revival. So, so see these people on, uh, on uh, getting dragged out of the surf, getting revived. And I'm thinking about the first relationship that God had with Adam and Eve before sin. And God walked, he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Yeah. You know, God was visiting the planet. Oh, that excites me. Yeah. And, and I think revival, for us to be revived, is to be brought back into that kind of relationship. Because um, when, when, um, when God, you know, before sin came, when God was visiting Adam and Eve, um, his presence filled their hearts. His presence filled their hearts. But then, you know, through the temptation and so on, now their hearts were filled with sin. And in a sense, God became homeless because even though his home was heaven, but he could no longer visit his creation and to be one with them. And he could no longer come to the planet because of the presence of sin. And it wasn't until, as I mentioned, failed covenants, broken laws, a flood, um, and then they put God's presence in a box and kept it behind the curtain. It, it, not that that was a bad thing to do, but, but so awesome was God's presence that it just couldn't be let out. Um, but they, they had God's presence in a box in the temple and then it wasn't until Christ came and died and rose again and ascended and the Holy Spirit came that now once again we have that revival we are able like Adam and Eve before the fall to have the presence of God live yeah, within us in our heart and soul I want to read Psalm 1 today Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates 
on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. As well as cleaning the floors at IGA, um, I also work in the express lane three hours every morning, seven till ten. And as I was putting this message together, I was thinking about this verse, verse 4, how the wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. Anyway, this customer comes in yesterday. I think it was either yesterday or Thursday. And um, he's a rough sort of looking character, comes in once a week to do his shopping. And he says to me, I used to be an aeronautical engineer. I said, oh, yeah. So that sounds pretty interesting. I said, what sorts of things did you get up to? He said, we used to throw chaff into jet engines to clean them out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's just like random, isn't it? I don't even know why he told me. But apparently, to clean out the insides of a jet engine, they get chaff, they start her up and just shove chaff through the engine to clean it out. (laughs) So I was thinking, how can I work this into my sermon? My message today and I couldn't figure it out. So I thought, I'll just tell you. Um, (laughs) It's really interesting working in the express lane. It's to me, it's like 30 seconds of pastoral care. Yeah, and look, people unload on me. And some know that I'm, I'm a pastor. Some haven't got a clue. Um, but it's really interesting. A guy came in a couple of weeks ago, looked like he's in his late 40s, early 50s. He said, I have a packet of Peter Jackson 30s in the gold, thanks. No worries. Got the cigarettes. Scanned them. Anyway, his eyes were all... Sort of a bit teary looking. I said, I see you okay. He said, no. He said, the doctor's just told me I've got seven months to live. He said, so I came and bought cigarettes. He said, who cares? It makes no difference. Wow. I said, do you need prayer? He said, I need anything I can get at the moment. I've never seen him since. I, you know, maybe he was a tourist blowing through town. Who knows? Um, but yeah. So the Lord gave me a prayer point, you know. Um, all sorts of stuff happened, and that's, that's just, you know, my life. But yeah. all you guys do stuff too, you know. And, uh, yeah, we should look for opportunities, or if there is an opportunity, grab a hold of it and, and just run with it. If it's a prayer point, it's a prayer point. That's cool. Um, you know, if it's, if it's leading someone to Christ, that's cool. Um, I'm a Bible teacher and, uh, and I preach sometimes, but mostly I sort of teach or slash preach. 
I'm probably no, I'm not a very good evangelist. I reckon I've only led about six or seven people to to Christ in my life. You know, um, it's just <laughs> it's not there. It's just not there. <clears throat> planted a lot of seeds. Planted a lot of seeds. We do a mission to Kenya every other year. And um, I take my preaching workshop there. We teach them how to um, find a few verses, a paragraph or a short psalm. We teach them to look for a preaching idea, some supporting scriptures, because basically a lot of the pastors over in Kenya have not really had much training or no training. And really their message is a good testimony Yes, Joe came here last week and he was healed. Praise the Lord, and they'll build a sermon around that. But they don't really get much in the way of teaching the scriptures. So we go over there and we teach them, teach the pastors and the leaders how to um, how to uh, preach from the scriptures. Last last February we went over. Um, Three and a half weeks, we had four workshops, a thousand pastors attended and connected with 341 churches. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. We're going back next year, um, June, July. Two months is the plan, 10 workshops, and we want to connect with no less than 1,000 churches and we want to get these pastors some good training that'll change their congregations, that'll change how they approach their neighbours. We want to change a nation. I don't know if it's possible to change a nation from Maryborough, but we're going to give it a crack. Amen. We're going to give it a crack. Because I sat down with a blank piece of paper one day to write down all the things that is impossible for God to do. And after two hours, the page was still blank. (laughs) Okay. Psalm 1. The first three verses talk about blessing. And God enjoys to bless our lives. He likes to do that. But we must be people who, in God's terms or in God's from God's perspective we must be a blessable type of people and we have to behave a particular way for God to be able to give us his blessings now this involves particular behavior traits now verse one talks about I think I've, I've sort of labeled verse one as discernment blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the of that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And to be able to do that, we must be discerning. We must, must know right from wrong. We not, must know where to hang out and where not to hang out. We must know what people to hang around with, what people not to hang around with. Um, we must know who, where we should plant the seed, 
or where we should not plant the seed or leave it for another or who to um, shake the dust from our feet and move on, who to press into and, 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 and really give them a good soaking with the gospel. And all of this comes down to discernment. And we need to rely on the Holy Spirit for our discernment. We can't really do too much in our own strength. Um, also, in, in respect to discernment, we need to avoid taking steps that will personally lead us into sin. That's not a good way to go. Um, <clears throat> we don't even really want to consider sin or contemplate sin we don't even want to become comfortable with the idea of sin. But we must discern with wisdom and step carefully. Now, where do we, if we are short on wisdom, where can we get wisdom from? From the Lord. And James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. That's how easy it is to become a wise person. Just ask and allow the Lord to give you that wisdom. Verse 2 of called delight. Let's just read it. But those who delight in the law of the Lord and those who meditate on this Lord day and night. So we should delight in the word. The word, the Bible, guides your walk and rejoices your heart. Yes, um, meditation is to your inner person as to what digestion is to your body. Yep, you get that? Um, if you make the word, the word, a part of your life, you will grow. You will grow. But let me add, knowledge alone, knowledge alone will not save us. But we must let that knowledge drop down here into the heart and we need to apply what the scripture says. If it says, do not steal, and we pop into the supermarket and walk out with a bunch of cherry ripes in the pocket, then we've not applied the word correctly. Yep. A guy in a walking frame... Shoplifted about 50 bucks worth. He had the cherry ripes and the big bags of, you know, flakes and stuff all in the pockets. One pocket he had full of cherries. <laughs> and the manager spotted him on the camera. And you can't do anything until they actually leave the store. And he's going like this. The manager behind him. He said, I wish you'd hurry up and get out of the story. He said, I've got to deal with this. I've got a lot to do today. <laughs> anyway, he ran back into me with $20 and a whole bunch of stuff. And he said, um, I said, oh, I said, are you going to have him charged? He goes, no, he's too old. <laughs> he said, well, just slap a three-month ban on him. But he never, ever came back. <laughs> I think the embarrassment dealt with him. But... <clears throat> Uh, we must uh, delight in the Lord yeah. and not do the things that God doesn't like, that God is uncomfortable with, but do the things 
that will please God and honour God. Um, and verse 3, I want to look at verse 3 also, which I've called dependence. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And this is dependence upon the Lord. And um, it took me a long time. I was... um, uh, How can I put it? I kind of enjoyed the idea of personal security. Um, I looked for a job that would last me till I retired. Uh, I wanted to buy a house, not the big flash fancy house, but just anything, just my own house that would give me security, job security, I wanted a regular income, financial security. I didn't want too many debts, you know. <clears throat> God changed my thinking. Um, I worked in the railways and I wanted to stay there till I was you know, at least 55 or 60 and take some early retirement. But anyway, I became redundant and, um, and they didn't want me anymore and... Um, had an absolute miracle healing with um, a scalded hand, um, scalded it with boiling water. We're out camping and it went red and all blisters came on it. And we had our neighbours where we were camping with our brand new Christians, only like a week old at the tent rally down the street. And, um, and so Bronlin said, so what do we do now, pray or what? I'm going, yeah, okay, we'll pray. <laughs> and we watched the hand and we watched the blisters disappear wow. and, and the pink went away, you know, and, um, and the, it was summer and the sun, and it wasn't burning anymore. And there was just like one blister left on that finger, which was like a reminder. And it... I was a deacon and an elder in the Baptist church in Seymour at the time. And uh, I was a good little Christian and rocking along and doing the audio in church, blah, blah, blah. But this changed my perspective of God. All of a sudden, he became personal to me. Now, I wanted to put my security now in God. So now I've got part-time work. Not much of an income. <laughs> and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's good. I, 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 wear my, um, I wear my heart on my sleeve a bit. And, and because of that, I've become a person of blind faith. If God says, do this, I go, okay, let's do it. You know? I don't care. There's, there's, what are the repercussions, you know? What's going to happen? Um, when I worked in the railway, I'll just share this story. When I worked in the railway, um, um, in the latter stages, I worked on the track gang and worked with six other guys. And they were tough men and hard living, hard drinking, hard swearing, 
They'll come to work on Monday and brag about the adulterous relationships they had over the weekend. They would... I was the Christian. <laughs> anyway, there's one guy there. His name was called... His nickname was Gaps because he had teeth punched out. And, <laughs> and anyway, he loved to blaspheme. And he loved and, and he knew that I didn't like it. And he would do it all the more. And it, builds, it built up and up and up in me because it used to hurt me. Yeah, he's talking about my Lord, my Jesus, the guy that took my punishment, you know. And, um, and uh, anyway, this day we were um, replacing a few old broken sleepers and Different days you use different tools in this particular gang. And anyway, this day I was on the hammer, got the 12-pound hammer and knocking in the dog spikes. And of course, when you miss, you blaspheme. That's just what... And if you hit the rail and put a mark in the rail, you've got to put 20 cents in the Christmas fund. And um, anyway, I'd had it with gaps. And he, he used to come out with 40 or 50 blasphemies before Smoko, you know. So I'm on the hammer and I missed. So I used his name. I said, oh, Gaps. He goes, did you call me, Stewie? Okay. Ah, it's all right, mate. I just used your name. He sort of looked at me a bit puzzled. Anyway, I'm back on the hammer. You know, slogging out. After a while, I missed again, as you do. I go, oh, Gaps. <laughs> this time there was like total silence and I'm thinking I'm getting in a bit deep here <laughs> but I'm upholding the Lord's name I'm planting a seed anyway I got back to work and they were just staring at me for a while everything was going good for about 10 minutes this time I used both his names well, he uses both Jesus' names. So you go, oh, no, Gaps Armstrong, I've missed again. <laughs> this time he came up to me. Gaps was about a foot taller than me and his shoulders were a bit broader than mine. And he put his chest on my chest and he pushed me and I had to stand like that. And he says, why do you keep saying my name? I didn't know what to say, so I said, why? He said, because I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when you say my name. And I just said, well, now you know how Jesus feels. He just grabbed me by the shirt and I thought I was gone. He said, I'm going to kill you after work. I said, no worries, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, it was all pretty quiet for a while and I missed a few more times, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> Anyway, after, after the afternoon smoke, he came up to me, he said, he said, I've thought about it. He said, I'm not going to kill you anymore. He said, I'm just going to go and burn your church down. <laughs> I go. <laughs> I said, no worries. I said, that's cool. I said, just watch out for the guy on the gate. He said, what do you mean? I said, oh, we've got security out there. He goes, 
I've never seen any security. I said, he's invisible. <laughs> he's about nine foot tall and he's usually white and glowing. I said, when I see him, but I said, you can't see him. I said, but you go out there. No worries. Anyway, that was it. <laughs> it slowed him down for a while, for about a month or so, but then he sort of forgot about it and, yeah. They were good days. They taught me things and taught me reliance on God and taught me not to be afraid. And even though I thought I'd gotten in pretty deep and I thought I was history, I really did. Um, um, God was right there with me in the midst. And um, actually one of the other guys came up to me afterwards you know, a couple of days later and he said, look, Stuart, he said, my mate's in Beechworth Jail. He said, do you reckon you could pray for him? Mm. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, <clears throat> all believers have a responsibility, in, in a sense, and I'll explain it, not to associate too much with ungodly people. And, and, and I don't really mean non-Christians, but, but I mean really ungodly people. But we should not... What I mean is we should not be in agreement or give approval to their sin or to the sin that they commit or to the sin of others. Yeah. And, and this doesn't really mean that we avoid the people as such and isolate ourselves from them. But, you know, if the Lord brings them across our path, for sure, we, we need to do what we need to do. But um, we, we shouldn't condone... This. And we shouldn't agree with them. Christians must witness to them of sin, righteousness and judgment and seek to introduce them to Christ who is the one source of eternal life. And you know, the way I understand the Bible, there's, there's, there's eternal life and there's eternal death. Um, and that's it. There's no purgatory. There's nothing in the middle. There's, there's just... As one guy said, it's either smoking or non-smoking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, we must be a friend to the ungodly, but not partner with them. And a happy person is one who studies God's book. And, and people who study God's book have a massive hunger for the word and for the way of the Lord. And... They love the Bible and they meditate on it day and night. And as a result, their own life is enriched and they become a channel of blessing to others. And that's us. We're talking about us. And people who are separated from sin and devoted to the scriptures possess the qualities of a strong and healthy, fruitful tree. Um, the scriptures liken believers to be trees planted by the water and this means that they have a never failing source of nourishment and refreshment uh, reminds me a bit of the 23rd psalm streams um, the tree is fruit bearing in season and they display the graces of the spirit and his words and actions are always timely and appropriate, and I love that about the Holy Spirit. That His 
actions to me and his direction to me is always timely um, and appropriate. It says, its leaf shall not wither. Its spiritual life is not subject to the cyclical changes, but is characterised by continuous inner renewal. Deal Moody says that the Lord's trees are evergreens. They don't lose their leaves. I like that. I was reading Revelation 22, verse 2, and it talks about the river of God. And down each side of the riverbank, there's these trees of life. And the leaves on that tree are made of gold, and they are there for the healing of the nations. Now, this, this really interests me because we are those leaves. We are those leaves. We are the ones that are sent out to take the word of God and the word of the testimony and bring healing to the nations through missions, through ministry. Yeah, we are those leaves. And most, most of us ride bikes. Well, I think we just, except for Pat and Dennis, I don't know, but most of us ride bikes and um, Andy. Um, and we go places... Sometimes we go on our own. Sometimes we ride with a group. Um, and that's cool. And, and in one sense, as bike riders, as Christian bike riders, in one sense our destination is the same. Our destination is the same. As we follow the end of Matthew 28, we're given the, the instruction from the Godhead and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And yeah. surely, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Oh, a bit of a challenge. Can you devote yourself, one, to God's book? Can you devote yourself to God's work? And can you devote yourself to God's calling? A couple of things to think about there. Um, as I finish up, I want to talk about two people groups. Firstly, the ungodly, and then I want to talk about the righteous. So the ungodly are not like this at all. They are not well planted. They're not fruitful. They're not enduring and they're not prosperous. And like chaff, chucked in a jet engine, they lack... I did it. Yes. Like chaff, chucked in a jet engine, they lack body or substance. When the storms of life blow, they become unstable. A strong wind will push them over and drive them away. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Now the meaning is here, the meaning here is that they will not have any adequate defence. They won't have a leg to stand on. Furthermore, they will neither stand in the congregation of the right of the righteous. They will be forever excluded from the company of those who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They will appear before God at the judgment of the great white throne. And 
they will only get, perhaps, only get to see one side of the pearly gates, whereas we will see both sides. As believers, we will stand in and through the judgment with Christ as our defence, but the unrighteous will not stand. They will fall and they will be cast aside because they have no adequate defence. Don't take this course of action. Take Jesus fully and completely into your heart and life, securing your eternal destiny is very important. Now let me talk about the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's not only aware of their lives, but he approves of them as well. And isn't it great to get approval? When I was a child, my mum would send me up the street to get a loaf of bread. It was unsliced in those days. And one time I came back and I'd eaten the insides of the loaf. (laughs) I did not receive my mother's approval. (laughs) I had to go back, buy another loaf out of my pocket money. And I think Dad gave me a clip under the ear as well. He said, smarten up, lad. Okay. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He's not only aware of their lives, but he approves of them as well. What a contrast when compared with the termination of the sinful life, which is eternal death. And I cannot emphasise too often that a person's destiny is not determined by the way that they live. Auntie Flo was a really good lady. She'll go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Being a good person is admirable, but being good alone will not get you through the pearly gates. The determining factor is whether you have been born again by faith in Jesus Christ, the righteous person is the one who has confessed their sin and received the Lord Jesus as their personal saviour. The righteous life is the result of the new life in Christ. The ungodly person is the one who refuses to acknowledge their need and bow their need, bow their knees, knee to the Lord Jesus. They would rather keep their sin than have the Saviour, because of this they shall seal their doom. Now there are two powers at work, Um, generally speaking, there's the power of sin and there's the power of God, and they're both at work in this world. Now the power of sin is strong and temptations are sometimes very hard to resist and very strong. But we must remember as believers that the power of God is actually stronger than the power of sin. So we are winning. We are winning. We might make mistakes. We might slip and slide. We might stumble. But we are winning. We are winning. And every time we make a mistake, we don't have to do that thing again. 
because we have the ability not only to have a free will, but to learn, but to learn. Here's the clue. Confess sin and keep short accounts with God. We all wear protection when riding, helmet, jacket, boots. Um, We also need to protect ourselves from the enemy who will try to stop us. Our best protection is Christ. How tragic that people are perishing when Jesus offers abundant eternal life. And I, I just think it's really, it is really, really tragic. I find it interesting in Canberra now, our Prime Minister, reported to be a believing Pentecostal, our Treasurer, a, um, a practising Jew, and our Deputy Prime Minister, a staunch Catholic. That's, that's interesting. Surely God is having a ball talking to those guys um, and sorting it out because it's a jumble to me. But it interests me that here are three key guys that are kind of running our nation and they all have an association with God. Now, I don't know how strong their belief is, but I really believe that... God has placed those guys there. And I'm hoping and praying for a new vision for this great south land of the Holy Spirit. I love this country. And this is the single best country in the world, I tell you. Listen to the news and you'll agree. I haven't been to many places, but I've been to the Solomon Islands, I've been to Nigeria, and I've been to Kenya. I tell you what. Even people say, our government's lousy, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you what, we've got infrastructure. And, you know, we've got a police station and a school and a, you know, an ambulance. We've got everything. And in Kenya, it is so corrupt, so corrupt. The police pull you up for speeding. Dollars or shillings. Shillings, no worries. Have a good day. No worries. No worries. Do you know in Kenya, okay, in Australia, if you have, um, if you leave school at, say, year 10 and, um, and you just have, like, basic passes, um, you could probably get a labouring job or something like that, um, unless you went to uni. In, uh, okay, so in Kenya, when you... Um, get the basic passes from school, the most basic job is a traffic policeman. That's crazy, isn't it? And yet, the people that they employ uh, have no education, or very little education. And the Prime Minister consults the witch doctor, you know, on running the country, stuff like that. Just wacky. Um, So... We live in the most awesome country in the world. God has got his finger on Canberra. And I really believe, but this is not prophetic, but I really believe that big things are going to happen. I don't know if Scott Morrison will get re-elected. I really hope he does. I like his style. 
he seems pretty relaxed and chilled and got his finger on the pulse. But anyway, I'm not here to talk politics, but, but I think that we should, no matter who's in power, um, uplift them. I think it's just an interesting time in Australia. Okie dokie. Let's wrap this up. The godly receive the blessing, but the ungodly receive judgment. Two different things, blessing and judgment. The psalm starts with blessed and the psalm ends with destruction. The choice is ours. Um, Also, something a bit interesting... um, Believers are seen as a tree and unbelievers are seen as chaff. That's like a massive contrast. That's a massive contrast. Chaff is nothing. Like it just comes out of the harvester, you know. Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the world. All who look to him and accept him by faith can receive eternal life. This is the message for us. This is the message for others. And this message will bring healing to the nations. Healing to the nations. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise, Lord. We glorify your name and we stand in wonderment of who you are and what you're doing and and your creation is awesome. I pray, Lord, you'll take this, this message today, Lord, that's, that's sitting in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to resonate with us. Resonate this message with us. Build it into our lives, Lord. And allow us today, this afternoon, when we go, to think about these things. Maybe next week when we're in a situation or... When you're speaking to us next, Lord, be with us today, tomorrow. Be with us forever. We love you, Lord, and we want to worship you. And when we're done with this planet, Lord, we want to live with you. We give you all the praise and the glory today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Folks, it smells like lunch is not too far away. Um, Feel free to go and grab a cuppa or... Um, have a bit of a chat and some fellowship.